Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Bear gets a shot right point, he scores! Four on four goal from Ethan Barrett beat Francois cleanly over the shoulder and the Canucks lead four to three with eight minutes left in the third. To come back on a team like that is uh, it's a special win. Yeah, I'd be lying to you if I told you it wasn't uh, you know awesome to play here and to be back, but even better to beat them. Don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. Uh, revenge? That's it. I'm getting out of here. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios of beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Uh, we are coming to you, as mentioned, from the Kintec Studios. Jason, tell the people how much you love Kintec. Oh, I love them so much. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay, big show ahead on a Thursday. Uh, American Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Andy. As a dually, this is a big day for you. Yeah, a lot of turkey coming up. I'm excited. Oh, you're actually making a turkey. You're going all in. Yeah, we, we bought a live one running, <laughs> running around the apartment right now. <laughs> we named it Jimbo. <laughs> Made a big he mistake. Will, he will die soon. Uh, We're getting so- evicted, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a big show ahead on American Thanksgiving. What an interesting sporting day because there's tons of football and football of both the international and national football league variety today. But all the sports happen pretty much during the day. There's no NBA. There's no NHL. You really only got one thing to watch tonight, and that's the nightcap between the Patriots and the Vikings. Anyway, as for this show today, guests begin at 7 o'clock with Craig Forrest from Sportsnet, former Canadian national men's team keeper. We'll talk to him. I think what I want to do, Jason, is actually just ask him every single question that you had about yesterday because you put together a list of approximately 10. Mm -hmm. There were so many talking points. I asked the best questions. Well, it was more just the volume, but they're not bad. But... I do want to ask Craig a lot of these because I think there were honestly eight, nine different subplots to come from that game and the aftermath as well. It was really remarkable. What a day. What an event. The Hollywood Theater was great, right? You had a good time. I think I had a good time. The watch party was great. Greg's favorite sport now is soccer. Really? I've converted completely. His his analysis. Isn't me- the line from Superbad? Involving a Greg and soccer? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard that once or twice in my life. Jeez. Have you? Calm oh, down, yeah. Greg. It's, it's soccer. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. Greg's analysis included this zinger. Uh, I only wish there was a goal. Yes, Greg, we all do. Mm-hmm. We all wish that Canada would score a goal at the World Cup. L- Laddie was like, after the game, he's like, guys, don't you wish Canada would have scored? <laughs> I think, think that would, like, I'm not a big soccer expert, but seems like they had some chances. Personally, it I thought. It feels like that's important, the scoring part. <laughs> I thought Borean should have reversed VH a little more often, yes, but he might have had the one. That's true. Andy, what was your analysis of the penalty shot? 
Well, I didn't like how he shot it right at the goaltender. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would have yeah, preferred yeah. that the goalie would have gone the opposite way of the ball. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the ball went to where the goalie was seemed counterproductive. To Spot on, Andy scoring. Cole. <laughs> so clearly this is a soccer show now, given that kind of like wit and analysis and insight. This is now a soccer show. Were so, there any knocks? There were some knocks. Okay. I don't know who had them, but I know that they were <laughs> they were distributed. They were administered throughout the match. Uh, so um, Craig Forrest will join us at 7 o'clock to talk about the World Cup. Um, from this morning, real quick, we can do the certaintied soccer report right now. We may as well. Um, we had the Swiss beating Cameroon 1-0 in that group, in the first game of that group. Uh, at half, Uruguay, who you'll remember, dispatched of Canada in a World Cup friendly a few weeks ago. Uh, Uruguay is tied 0-0 with Korea. We've got a very interesting game at 8 as Cristiano Ronaldo. Has he been in the news lately? Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal are going to host Ghana. And then Serbia and Brazil. So our first look at Brazil in this tournament is going to happen at 11 a.m. So that's what's coming up uh, both on the soccer front for guests and for this show. Uh, that soccer report was brought to you by Certainteed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainteed pro all the way. Speaking of pros, we have two of the best hockey professionals going on this show. 7.30, Frank Saravalli is going to join us from Daily Faceoff. 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, Batch is going to join us to look back at the Canucks' win last night in Colorado against the defending Stanley Cup champion, Avalanche. And you know, it's funny because we are the home of the Canucks on Sportsnet 650, and the Canucks just defeated the Stanley Cup champs on the road, and yet, you know what we're going to start with and what happened? Not the Canucks, but let's start there. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? In a match that almost defied logic, expectations, reality, maybe we did have imposter syndrome, but it all went away yesterday because a brilliant, but despite all that brilliance, Canadian team, could not score a goal at the World Cup. The the drought continued as Canada lost 1-0 to Belgium in both countries' opener from the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. I said that there were approximately eight. I'll bump it up to an even ten. Ten different talking points from this match. It was a fascinating, scintillating affair. Okay, just just let me talk through this a little bit. And, and don't mind me. Yes, I have lost my voice a little bit because I was yelling a lot yesterday. Uh, I am not sure I've ever been so torn about a result in all my years of watching sports. On the one hand, (laughs) Canada dominated one of the best teams in the world. They more than proved that they belong at the World Cup, as everyone has been saying. They belong. They greatly exceeded my expectations in terms of the quality of their play against a side like Belgium, which was ranked number two in the world by FIFA. Whether you think they should be number two or number four or five, they are a top 10 team in the world. At times, I couldn't believe my eyes at what I was watching. It was slightly reminiscent of watching Canada play the Mexicans equally at Azteca, but times that by 100 because this was the World Cup. That's the good stuff. That's the stuff that I'm feeling good about. Good. On the other hand, they lost. They did. They <laughs> and, were now, sh- and they were shut out. And now they're up against it to qualify for 
the next round or the round of six, the knockout stage. And because of the way they played, follow me here, Mm -hmm. because of the way they played, I'm no longer just happy to be at the World Cup. I want more. I want the knockout round now. But they lost. Yep. And they still haven't scored a goal at the World Cup. Yeah. I'm, I'm back and forth on this. The conflict is real, folks. That internal strife that you're feeling, you're not alone. We could start a support group. I don't know how many people would take it seriously, but point taken. Uh, it is one of the more, it's nice at this age that you can have like almost a new sports feeling because you kind of, you know, experienced them all at this point. Even in the lead up to this, you had sports sadness because you're a Canucks fan and you had sports anxiousness on Tuesday. Now you have sports conflict. I don't know. Consider some of these stats and you tell you tell us whether this is good news or bad news. We'll let the soccer dogs take the analysis on this one. Uh, Canada is the first team since 1978 to attempt 20 or more shots and a penalty kick and not score a goal at, the, at a World Cup game. Is that, good? Is that good? That, seems, that seems, seems bad overall, <laughs> but they got 20-plus shots on Belgium. That'll boost your expected goals. Yes. That's for sure. Canada's 2.59 expected goals against Belgium is the highest expected goals total to be shut out this tournament. That feels like a bad one. Yeah. Just like an overall. It started good. They had us in the first half, not going to lie, but it didn't end great. Okay. So what was your reaction watching this game? Um, because I'll uh, just here's how my day went yesterday after the I game. I was there for most of it. After oh, the actually, game, okay. after the game, I was like talking to everyone. I was like, man, they played so well. Like they just dominated Belgium. And, and I tweeted out like, I'm a hundred percent house of positivity. Like if they can play like that against Croatia, or Morocco, no reason they can't find the points to go through again. They just dominated Belgium at the world cup. And then the day wore on a little bit and I started like stewing and <laughs> ruminating the result. I was kind of just like, God, how did they not score? And then, right? Like, yeah. come on. I, like, God. And then, and then, what an opportunity blown. And then you became rough again. You're like, and then ah, I, and then I, I exactly. Why? I found myself again. Yeah. I was like, forget the house of positivity. Forget, forget these moral victories. They have this great opportunity and they blew it. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I had that reaction. Um, at the tenth minute, to be perfectly honest, I had that. I had that reaction when uh, Alfonso Davies' penalty was saved by Thibaut Courtois. Everyone else was very optimistic at the table at the Hollywood Theater for that amazing watch party. Don't worry, we'll get it back. They're cruising right now. They're rolling, and I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. That was more than just a missed penalty. It just, it just was. You know what I was saying at the end of the first half too, and actually the guys on the broadcast said it. Just get out of here. Don't don't concede. You take this. You take this. Uh, how you've played in the first half as a positive. Just don't concede. The Tony Waiters approach. And we have a point right now. It's nil nil. Let's yep. keep that point. But what happened? Uh, well, it was right before the half. That's right? what I mean. They yeah. conceded. Like yeah. the, I'm sitting there going, like you guys have dominated Belgium. Mm-hmm. Don't muck it up now by you know. And it was Lose one it, losing your focus for one second. Well, that was the worst part about the goal that they conceded was I mean, we, and it's such a cliche that analysis where you say, you know, all it takes with the world class teams is a half inch of space and one moment and one striking opportunity. That's why they're world class. And then it played out in real time because it wasn't the most amazing ball over the top into Mishi Bashawai, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Great defending by Canada. It was, it was a little poor. And to be honest, it wasn't great defending by Borean either. I don't know if you noticed, but when the ball gets clipped over the top, he's had a real issue with whether to come out 
or to set for a shot. Now, it was almost an impossible shot to save against Bashawai, but the point remains... Could he have got there earlier? Could it be a little more aggressive when If that... he had flown out of his net and tried to smother the through ball, there probably would have been like a really, really interesting collision. How many what-ifs do you think are resulting from that a game? Um, the do big question to, that everyone's... the penalty? Well, that, that's, that's the question that everyone has right now. Because I got now. takes on this. I got takes on this. Why did Alfonso Davies take the penalty and not Jonathan David? And just to, to add this follow-up question in, why would John Herdman leave it up to the players to decide that on the pitch? Okay, so for those that don't know, um, penalties... There's usually two schools of thought on the moment and everything. And there's a very, there's a very fundament, fundamental difference between a shootout and penalties during a match. The shootout where you have to select five shooters and then if it goes longer, subsequent shooters, there's actually quite a bit of strategy that goes into it, right? The, the top flight managers will have statistics and trends and, and they'll have a, a set of shooters go out. It's actually gotten more and more evolved over the years. Okay. In a match when it's, there's flow and you don't necessarily get to st- pick whoever you want to shoot, right? It's like you've got moments in the match where maybe you guys are tired or they just made the run and they got fouled, so they're not going to be the one to go take it. Some guys, quite frankly, are scared of taking that shot. Um, There are some managers that will just concede that to the players. They'll say, boys, figure out who you want to take this, right? And it's based on a variety of things that are going on in the match. That's how Herdman had explained this prior to yesterday, is that they had a penalty in the match against Japan. I think you'll remember this. In the 94th minute. <laughs> and then Kava took it. And Kava took the ball. <laughs> so Herdman said in the aftermath, uh, I thought our penalty taker was going to be Johnny, Jonathan David. Because Jonathan David had taken 9 of 12, converted 9 of 12 for Lille in the French League. He's a, he's a routine penalty taker at the club level. And didn't Herdman say, like, don't panenka it? He was kind of joking. And, and then, then he and, did panenka it. <laughs> he's like, and he scored. Oh, well, he almost missed, though. So then Herdman said, in which is just it, reading it in the aftermath is almost painful. He's like, all you need to do is hit the ball along the turf really hard and into the corner. You don't need to do anything fancy. Just get up there and smash it and put it in, which is what Davies tried to do. Only he didn't get it anywhere near the corner, and he didn't hit it anywhere near enough. It was low, and it was trying to go to one side. He just didn't hit it well. He didn't hit it particularly hard either. It was a bad penalty. It was a bad penalty, I think there's we no, all agree, right? There's no way to get around it. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, this question is going to be asked, did Herdman make the wrong call in ceding that to the players? Because for a guy who's a self-admitted micromanager, as a matter of fact, the quote that he had was, I micromanage everything, but this one, I leave it up to the lads. That's what surprises me mm-hmm. because uh, you, you, you follow this stuff a lot more closely than me and multiple times and, you know, speaking with Dan Riccio yesterday on, on the preview show, you guys are both talking about how he it plans everything down to the final detail. Like he is, he, mm-hmm. you know, it got to the point where he would have been very upset about being late for that press conference. Because it made him look just disorganized. Disorganized. Yeah. And he, he is detailed. Actually, uh, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin have John Herdman on their short list of candidates as a head coach because he will bring structure and details yeah. to the Vancouver but Canucks. If he doesn't go to Burnley, he'll go to the Canucks. <laughs> That's what he does. But so it surprised me when I heard that that he doesn't he hasn't thought about that. Oh, he's thought about it. I think, but it's that his he ultimately way. decided like I'll leave it up to the yeah. fellas. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like that's one se- of those. That seems like a less detailed. That seems like a more gut instinct I type think, of thing. I think all that was orchestrated. 
I think that let's put it this way. Herdman knew exactly who he would have to take the penalty. He knew exactly where he would tell the shoot. He would, he had that entire scenario planned down to a T, but it's one of those little coaching idiosyncrasies. You know, when you say like, uh, you know, you, you leave the room to the, the guys, right? Sure. Like, I'm not going to meet with them. These guys have to sort this out. Yeah. Because you would want to get in there and you want to control and joystick everybody. I think, and this, again, this is just my my take on this, but my, I firmly believe that if he would have said, boys, I'm picking the shooter, the shooter would have been Jonathan David. It would not have been Alfonso Davies. Now, that said, I also know that nobody loves a story arc and a feel-good moment, and capturing the moment like John Herdman. So having Alfonso Davies score Canada's first ever goal at a World Cup and the, the symbolic nature of it, and how Hollywood-esque and scripted it would have been, I think he probably would have been enamored with that too. But at the end of the day, preparation, statistics, familiarity, it all said that Jonathan Davies should have been the shooter. Were you surprised that Canada overall lacked finish against Belgium, considering all the goals they scored in qualifying and the run-up to the tournament. Now, granted, not many opponents like Belgium in the lead-up to the tournament. And did you notice how um, in the second half, because Belgium got that 1-0 lead, Mm -hmm. Canada still was kind of pushing the whole time, right? They seemed less dangerous, though than in the first half, because I think Belgium just got, whereas they just said, all right, we're going to be organized at the back. Now. And Canada ran out right? of steam. It was, yeah, they ran out of steam. They were right? playing in the desert and it gets hot and it's hard to run around and do that high press the entire time. Here's what we, all of us, unless I missed it, were, um, we failed in the lead up to this match and the preview of this match. We, we, anytime we did any preview of Belgium, who did we talk about? Kevin De Bruyne. Then who else did we talk about? Eden Hazard, then who? Maybe Lukaku because he was in or out. None of us talked about that the best player on the pitch yesterday was Courtois. And he's maybe the best goalie in the world. He won a Champions League for Real Madrid with an outstanding performance. He won the match yesterday for Belgium. That's really on you because you're a goalie. It's my you fault. Should, it's Greg's fault. You're a goalie and you love soccer now. I know. I just My analysis wasn't up to date, I guess. Just, just calm down, Greg. It's, yeah. it's soccer. Um, <laughs> I, I'll say this. It, we really should have said more about Belgium having maybe the best netminder in the world. I mean, that's what Courtois is right now. You see, you saw how physically imposing he was on the penalty. Yeah. Right? I think there's a reason that they dress those six-foot, seven-inch goalies in the brightest colors imaginable. It looks like a gigantic traffic cone. Like, I'm going to have a problems dealing with this. Here's another question I have. My side mirror is going to clip this. What's going on? Here's another question I have for you. Yeah. Does it normally take a minute and a half for the referee to whistle that you can start your penalty kick? Uh, I've seen lengthy delays before. That referee was not good should in Davies, the slightest. Should Davies have maybe moved around a little bit? Like, uh, and- who's, I mean, it, at that point, it didn't matter. You could have done a million different things. Okay, so the only reason I, I, I this became a thing for me that I was wondering about, because we were at the Hollywood Theater, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm going to – we were sitting up in the, uh, in the balcony, so I had a great view – of the whole theater and the hundreds of people that were there, and they were so excited to see Canada score their first ever goal of the World Cup. I'm like, I'm going to get video of this. Mm -hmm. So I put my phone up, and I'm taking the video, and I'm like, okay, I'll stop the video because it hasn't hasn't, uh, whistled it in yet. So I'll start it again. 
okay, I'll stop it now. Like it was just taking forever to actually it was a long blow time. the whistle. So I, I kind of noticed that. And I think a lot of people afterwards, even on the broadcast, they had like it, 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 it charted out um, how long it took yep. for that. And I just wonder if that affected Davies. You're, you're sitting, you're yeah, standing of there, of you're standing there and you're going like, you know how you're, I mean, listen, we're not professional athletes, but I think most people on the show or, and most people of listening, most people listening have been in a sports moment whether it's even like taking a penalty shot in beer league when you're just standing there and you're so, you're, you're so nervous, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like hitting your first tee shot. Yeah. Just if you're going yep, out to yep, golf, yep, right? Yep, like, yep. And, and, maybe some pe- feeling. and maybe three people are watching, right? So, so you're nervous and you're just kind of like, man, I just want to, I kind of just want to get this over with my, my, I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm out of my body here. Now, like Alfonso Davies obviously has reached the point in his, career where he's used to those moments he's used to those pressure moments he's a professional athlete but still he's experienced nothing like that before well you know to be perfectly honest he hasn't had that many experiences at the penalty spot in his career he's only taken two and all due respect to uh the Cayman Islands and Curacao the teams that he scored them against uh it was in a much less pressure-packed environment and quite frankly worse teams uh since we started this conversation about the amount of shots the penalty shot, expected goals, and that Canada was the first team since 1978 to have those gaudy statistics and not score. You asked about the finish. My first answer was about Courtois. There is a second part to this. And what you saw yesterday was, I don't want to diminish anything from Canada's World Cup qualifying run, but if you go back and look at some of the goals that were scored, they were, ooh, the keeper wasn't great on that one, or ooh, the defending really wasn't good on that one, or ooh, they got some space there that I don't know that they're going to get in other scenarios. Um, Courtois made the penalty save, and he made a save on Alistair Johnson. And I think more importantly, didn't put the rebound back into the field of play. I remember in a similar instance against Mexico, Alistair Johnson had a blast from distance. And Ochoa, who was frozen solid and looked like he was not comfortable, made a fairly routine save but put the rebound directly back in front of him. Mm-hmm. Kyle Aaron came in, tapped it in. Canada's up 1-0. Didn't happen yesterday. The, the, again, we talk about these like tiny little fractions of a game. And Canada had a few opportunities, more than a few opportunities, but lacked the quality of finish to put it away. Belgium, in their one opportunity in the first half, really, or I guess the early shot on net as well, uh, took it, and it was two inches clear of Stephen Vittoria's head and maybe half a foot away from being Borean being out to challenge. Bang, back of the net, match over. Did Belgium play badly or did Canada make them look bad because the Belgian coach afterward had all sorts of praise for Canada and while he was happy with the win obviously and he said listen we'll we'll find ourselves at this tournament we got the win that's the most important thing he said it was their worst game on a technical level Mm -hmm. since he took over six years ago they've played a lot of games since he took over six years ago and he's saying that was their worst game. Now, I don't think they played well, but my instinct says, hey, Canada's speed probably had something to do with you guys not playing so well. Yeah, I think everyone that watched that match um, had the same assessments, that it was Canada and one of your favorites on the front foot. That's one of your favorite soccer things. But they were because they dictated the pace and dictated the tempo. And they were. here's the big thing that caught Belgium, and I think when they're talking from a technical 
perspective, Belgium was not without space to do things, right? Because Canada pushed so high up the pitch and were so aggressive in that high press that when the Belgians broke it, you remember there was a handful of times in the first half where De Bruyne and Hazard would get the ball and turn, and it was just acres of green space in front of them and mm-hmm. only a handful of Canadian defenders because they were being aggressive. Yeah. It was terrifying. And actually. Belgium put and Belgium took no advantage of it whatsoever. Yeah. Their goal was scored on a, a long ball over the top. None of this probing, pressing through balls or runs that we expected. Technically, they weren't prepared to deal with everything Canada threw them. They were the, the the player selection. I think made them too slow, especially at the back when they kind. And I'm surprised because I kind of think they should have known ahead of time that Canada was going to be relentless in attack with Buchanan and Larea. And uh, Davies and Hoyle, they were all running at defenders all night. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was, I think, Belgium, that's why he said it was our worst uh, effort from a technical perspective. Because I think they got... What, is that, what does that mean? It means the formation, the strategy, the player selection, the way that they countered yeah. was all wrong. So and he's putting that partly on him. I think he's too. putting it some, some on him and some his players inability to recognize mm-hmm. that. And De Bruyne was not De Bruyne yesterday. I think Canada did, did get um, a very fortunate... And and really fortunate, but also a blown opportunity. Fortunate, did, yeah. Did he get nutmegged by Eustachio? Yeah, <laughs> that so, was incredible. See, that's what people were talking about with Canada. Canada, for lack of a better term, showed out. Like they didn't just go yeah. and grind. Mm-hmm. They played with the kind of fluidity and God dare I say brilliance. But it was at times because they were thoroughly outplaying Belgium. Everyone saw it. But it was one of those where it's like you played brilliant. For ninety percent of the pitch, and then the final ten, it was far, far, far from brilliant. In fact, li- it was disappointing. You're listening to the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Our first guest isn't for about half an hour. It's going to be Craig Forrest, so we'll talk more about yesterday's um, encouraging but disappointing result from Canada in their first World Cup game since 1986. We'll talk to Craig about that. Uh, we will talk about the Vancouver Canucks. On the other side, because the Canucks, granted, slightly lower stakes last night, did go into Colorado and defeat the defending Stanley Cup champs. Did we get the fan blogger in the intro? We did. Okay, we did? Okay. Yeah. I thought we might have been so uh, distracted by the World Cup that we might have nope. f- forgotten Lad- that. Laddie got it in there. <laughs> Laddie got, excusing, <laughs> Laddie got it in there. Always accusing me of, of missing the fan block. There was no. There, there, it was it was a, it was a question. It was a direct question. Jason doesn't yeah. un, doesn't understand. Well, it was direct. Accus- you know he doesn't you know understand accusatory tone. His yeah. he, he he thinks it's coming from an inquisitive. Like, did I happen to hear that? It, yeah. It's not. No, no, but Greg is taking it more as accusatory. That's okay. Mm. Uh, I do want to say also we, persecution <laughs> complex over there. See, now that was accusatory. <laughs> Persecution complex that's over there? A, that's an accusatory tone. Yeah. Uh, okay, I do want to say we had two very important conversations that we need to get to with the Canucks game as well. One, we're trying to identify what candy, what type of candy was thrown on the ice in Colorado last night at Elias Pettersson in the Who third throws period. candy? But what kind? Because it was a great debate. It was. Here's the thing. Initially identified as jelly beans. I have the forensic. I went to the Zapruder film on this. Two, the sound that the Colorado Avalanche PA guys and scoreboard announcer play when they kill a penalty and a guy comes out of the box, the dogs had like a dog fight about it this morning. 
They, they, I, I, I'm just gonna say it was like they were both. You know when dogs like go at each other's throats and you're oh, like, oh really? They were like, they're that? like, well, but they're like, I think they're playing, but they also might kill each other. That's right. what it was like. Nope, now they're humping. Yeah, and then that's how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to HR all. Mine one. HR Andy has mine a lot one. of pent up frustration, <laughs> you guys. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get to all these conversations on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's the Alfred and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. And now, whoa, something was just thrown on the ice and hit Elias Pettersson. Bag of candy. Jelly beans. Hit him right in the back. I mean, yeah, it's great, it's candy, but yes. you don't want to be seeing no. that. 6.33 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Your home of the Canucks. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the, Del- Delari fa- the, the, the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Um, okay. I know, I know that this is an odd time. This is a weird time for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that understand... Sportsnet 650, this this sports radio station, is largely being a Canucks radio station. We do have a sign emblazoned with Home of the Canucks. Earlier this season, Rogers Sportsnet and the Canucks signed a multi-year broadcast re-extension, right? We're going to be the the radio home of the Canucks. TV is going to be the TV home of the Canucks. We're inextricably linked. Therefore... When people get into their vehicles or have their morning commute, they've come to expect Canucks talk, right? That's yeah. just what they expect. And they're going to get some now. We, matter of fact, we have a show called Canucks Talk. And then there's another one called Canucks in the, the late afternoon. There's the Canucks pregame show. There's and there's the, the Canucks talk with a Raptors angle. Yes. That hour-long Canucks talk, but about the Raptors. Canucks and Raps. It's like nuts and gum together <laughs> What if the Canucks last. played on the Raptors, how would they do? The yeah. Whole hours that, that's dedicated sort of to... Yeah. yeah. So I understand that when you get in your car in the morning and all you want to hear about is last night's game between the defending Stanley Cup champion and the Canucks, you expect us to talk about them in the first half hour of the program. See, that's where when when you zig, we zag. When you go left, we go right. There's no telling what Halford and Bruff will do. For example, I'm not even going to talk about the Canucks game right now. We're going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about what kind of candy was thrown on the ice. 20 minutes. I encourage you all to text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We are going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks right now. They were 4-3 winners over the aforementioned Colorado Avalanche last night in Denver. As I, you know, we we said going into this game, Jason, that this was going to be all about the ex-Avs, Spencer Martin and Sheldon Dries. Everyone was saying it. Many people were saying it. Kyle Burroughs, too, gets back into the lineup. So Bruce was obviously listening to our show yesterday, we were but, like, I don't understand why Kyle Burroughs is not in this lineup, and Riley Stillman is. Spencer Martin, though, is now 5-1-1. One, and one. He is the Grant Fuhrer of our time. Remember hearing what it they more would, and more. What they would say about Grant Fuhrer is like, he might let a lot of goals in, but when you really needed him to make a save at the end of the game, he would make that, and of course, because he played for the Edmonton Oilers, he often got a lot of run support. Well, mm-hmm. he's received a lot of run support with the Vancouver Canucks, and he did make an incredible save off uh, Taves to keep the game tied at three late in Colorado, which allowed the Canucks to win this thing. Mm-hmm. It was, it's funny, right? Like you, you, we, were, we were joking about this with the dogs prior to the show, and 
The numbers on Martin on the year, what are they up to now? Does he have a 900 save percentage? I don't think so. And I, I don't think he got him there yesterday. He, so he's got – I don't want to do the Grant Fear thing. This is like when we compared Pedersen to Wayne Gretzky. But um, I will say this. At some point, you have to look at the wins and losses. And, and I know it doesn't make any sense. And I know you can't say that this is um, going to be predictory in nature. Like, yeah. he'll just keep doing this. He's a 901, by the way. Oh, you, got, you, got, you got over it. Nice. Good for him. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to look at the fact that they, they're winning games and they need to win games when he's in net. And they're not when Demko's in net. Greg, t- tell me more about this scintillating analysis of statistics where, you know, he wins the games and that Demko doesn't win the games. Well, there's this part of being a goalie where you, you really can't go down the ice and score yourself. Uh, I don't know about so that. So unfortunately Sounds for like Demko, he can't really match the goal support. The Spencer Martin gets, and yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a struggle for it's, Demko. It too. sounds like you're not gonna be able to go down the ice and score with that attitude. Well, there's this silly rule they put in where you can't go past center. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I see what you're saying. But Spencer yeah. Spencer Martin has played better than Thatcher Demko yes. overall this season, right? Like, but not, I wouldn't be hedging my bets and going with Spencer Martin over Demko. For or like me play him in both of the ba- the back to backs on Saturday no, and Sunday. Yeah. 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 Martin, Martin, no, no. that would be great. I mean, I think it was obviously the right call to go with Spencer Martin last night because the Canucks got the win, and it was a bit of a back-and-forth game. Uh, the Canucks got off to a great start with Mikheyev scoring 21 seconds into the game, assist to Pedersen and uh, Kuzmenko. Mikheyev, uh, a guy we talked about a lot in the offseason about what he'd bring the Canucks, but really he's been kind of overshadowed by all the other stuff. That's ha- been happening. Yeah, yeah, we ha- yeah, So we haven't really mentioned him. He also played a key role in the winning goal, even though he didn't receive an assist on it. Uh, his speed allowed him to beat out an icing. Good hustle. And the puck eventually found Ethan Bear at the right point, and he scored on a slapper, and that was the four-three lead. So Mikheyev had a very good game mm-hmm. for the Canucks last night. A Canucks team that did not have the refereeing on their side. Uh, I don't normally like to complain about the refereeing because I find it boring and I find generally all these things even out. But last night, I was pretty surprised that that goal was disallowed yeah. for goalie interference. And I was pretty surprised that the referees called a, a pretty ticky-tack hooking penalty on JT Miller. Maybe if all things, if, if the sides were even, fine, you make that call. But the Canucks... We're in the midst of killing a double minor to Tyler Myers, yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna make that call on JT Miller, and the Canucks were probably not going to kill that five on three against the best power play in the NHL. I don't know if you guys have heard, but the Canucks PK has not been all that great this season. I have uh, been told, and Makar, of course, did score on that power play. So overall, the refereeing was not on the Canucks side. But they got it done. Another goal for Horvat, up to 16 on the season, tied with McDavid and Jason Robertson for the NHL lead. Besser has a nine-game point streak, yep. which is crazy because he did not play well in a lot of those games, and yet he has that nine-game point streak. And it ju- I think it just goes to show how many goals the Canucks have scored this season. And even when they're losing, they're still scoring quite a few goals, which does not speak well to the goaltending that Thatcher Demko has provided them and also the defensive environment in front of Thatcher Demko. Um, Now, the Abs were without a handful of key players Mm -hmm. in this one. You didn't see Landeskog. You didn't see Nachushkin. You didn't see Bowen Byram or Sam Girard. I'm probably missing a few here. There are some guys out there that I bet people were like, uh, who is that? 
Yeah, it was. They had a, they had a rookie playing his first NHL game mm-hmm. in, uh, last night. Um, but when you've got McKinnon and McCarr and Rantanen, although he missed a bit of time when it, he seemed to get a little banged up. But I got like a violent stick to the face. That McKinnon yeah. and, and Rush was just ludicrous. McKinnon like, he was and McCarr. went crazy. across the ice yeah. in like three seconds through the entire team. I don't know what it is about the crowd in Colorado, but it seems like they've been able to sync up their like groundswell of a cheer. Like it gains momentum as McKinnon makes his rush. It's, I'm probably just used to it by now. Yeah, it like I remember so when he had that that wonder goal against uh, St. Louis in the playoffs last year, where he went coast to coast, and it just felt like the entire crowd grew with him. Like it's it's actually a pretty good crowd. Dallas has that too. I don't know if it's the camera angle or what, but it always seems really frenetic and like they can anticipate something like that happening. Anyway, the, the crowd was part of the story last night, but the obvious part of the story was uh, Spencer Martin exacting revenge against his old team. Do we have a moment to talk about Sheldon Dries? Because he also exacted revenge mm-hmm. against his old team last night. He played, I think it was almost 50 games with the Colorado Avalanche. And he's just kind of a guy that's hung around. And every time we talk about him, it's always sort of a two, two-word two sentence. Like, yeah, he's fine. And then we move along. He's got five points in nine games. And he hasn't been great yeah. every game. He was de- minus four again that win against Buffalo, I think. But or the loss. Or was it the win? Oh, there was a win. The win yeah, over yeah, Buffalo, yeah, and over. he was still minus four. Yeah. And I just and he only played seven minutes. Right. And it's funny because there's not a there's not to be quite honest, and I don't mean to like disrespect the guy, there's not a ton of point to talking about him a lot because he's just gonna be one of those present terms. I like guys. what he provides as a yeah. as a as a depth centerman that can come in if uh the Canucks need him there yeah or wherever wherever he can play there uh he should actually have more points he should have more goals than he does he only has two goals he's had some incredible chances for the Canucks especially as part of that second unit power play he's had a lot of chances and his finish just hasn't been there and maybe that's an issue for him he finishes in the AHL but he has trouble finishing in the NHL so Mm -hmm. um he's also not the biggest guy and by that I mean he's small so that can be a, a real disadvantage for a center uh, at the NHL level. We got a question in here into the Dunbar Lumber text line from Jay and Delta. Is there a Stanley Cup hangover in Colorado, or did they just lose too much depth in the summer? Well, I think it's injuries right now. Also, the loss of Kadri. They haven't replaced their second-line center, really. And The Avs are 11-6-1. They're they're fine. (laughs) With, yeah, with they're fine considering yeah. considering all the injuries that they've had. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I get what he's asking. They they lost. Do you they think lost the Canucks? Is there a hangover? Well, but I get that the whole two C thing was. You know, there's a lot of people making jokes about you know the Canucks uh, showcasing Horvat yeah. and and and, uh, and Horvat uh, because they're going to be looking for a two C. I can almost guarantee that they're going to be yeah. looking for a two C at the trade deadline. They're in the Tampa Bay window now where you fill your gaps Mm -hmm. at the deadline and then you mortgage the future to fill those in. You don't – here's the thing. Tampa Bay goes into the season with a question to answer. They don't really need to answer it going into the season because they know that they can pick somebody up at the deadline. That's usually how this thing works, right? The question is, is it going to be a good enough player or not? And now Colorado is going to be in that window. Colorado had the luxury of having, what, maybe the best 2C in, in hockey last year in Kadri. He's yeah, one of them, for sure. Them, yeah. And now he's gone. And if you can't replace him 
uh, at in the offseason. You just wait until February or March. Now, here's the interesting thing. We've seen this play out before. You and I covered those great Chicago teams back in the, 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 the <laughs> yeah. 2010. And it was just a rotating cast of two seasons. Brad, Brad Richards, Richards Hanzus. Ma- Michael Hanzus. There, yeah. was, there was a bunch of them. Mm. And they were all just kind of picked up either midway through the season or at the deadline, and away you go. So I'm not at all concerned about Colorado. To be honest, I think this Colorado team could end up being more dangerous in the long run because the goaltending's better. Last night wasn't great. I didn't think Francois was great. But collectively on the season, Georgiev and Francois have been better than Kemper and Francois were last year. And I think all of them are better than when Grubauer was there. So um, it's an interesting time. By the way, on the subject of not being happy with the officiating, uh, I think you're bang on that the Canucks got jobbed out of <laughs> jobbed out of a goal and out of being at even strength, or at the very least, not going down as yeah. much as they were. But it was the Colorado fans that were throwing crap on the ice because they were so upset about the officiating with the penalty that was called, which I think was a minute three left on mm-hmm. the clock, which right? was an obvious penalty. I it still just... say it's Sour Patch Kids. By the way, I'm sticking with Sour Patch Kids. I think it's a I think it's a mix it's a of game. Sour Patch Kids. I think it's a stadium mix. I you know, it. you go into those candy stores yeah. and they. The, 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 this is our special collection of, right. of candy. And, and you're like, we've yeah, put it together. Which our, of the creepy our candy old experts have put it together. Yeah, 7 Eleven has those too. Yeah. I love them. Which of the creepy old guys working here has put these in by hand? That, the <laughs> yeah, you wonder bag. about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, who's been touching this? Anyway, uh, we've, ne- we've gone Zapruder on this. I think what it is, it's got a clear plastic, clear cellophane bag. With mm-hmm. a, with no like, logo. No logo. This sort, and it's sort of like nondescript design at the top and bottom. And then all over the ice. I mean, there's very clearly Mike and Ike's out there. Yeah. Let's get so, that out of the way right Mike now. So, yeah. They're 100% Mike and Ike's, but there's a couple of more oblong-shaped ones mm-hmm. that look like they're Sour Patch Kids. I See, that's what I think. It's Sour Patch Kids. Now, yeah. as a candy enthusiast, because while you're in your 30s, you're 13 at heart, yes. um, would a bag mixed of Sour Patch Kids and Mike and Ike's not be delicious? Oh, they would be, absolutely. I mean, if somebody asked, do you want the Sour Patch Kids, the Mike and Ike's, or the Jelly Beans, I would just say yes. Are we missing a world where someone has fused the two together, some sort of cross-up, and have I just given away, like, the invention of 2023? It's like Willy Wonka, like, FBI style. You're going through and trying to figure out what the secret candy is. They oh, threw the invention at Pedersen. They now, just gave it to yeah, him. Why did Pedersen right. pick it up and eat it? That's what I want to know. I know. Lazar I, style. That's Curtis Lazar is the human warning for not doing that. Like, I think... <laughs> The fact he never got really sick, like you have Campylobacter now. Sorry, you're gonna have to deal with that. Um, I don't know how that ever happened. Right? Yeah. Can we talk about Elias Pettersson getting the matchup against Nathan McKinnon? Fine, we'll talk about real hockey and actually uh, doing pretty well in it. And I think when you're watching Petey play this season, yeah, yeah, he's not that great at faceoffs. But if that's the only reason that you're not putting him in a matchup role, I think that's a mistake. Because what you've seen from Petey this season is, first of all, a willingness to back check. Yep. Which is crazy that we're saying that. He's always got his feet moving. His head is always on a swivel. He knows where everyone else is on the ice. He doesn't get caught puck watching. Certainly not as much as some guys mm-hmm. out there. Uh, he's a terrific penalty killer. And last night, he gets the assignment against Nathan McKinnon, one of the fastest, most powerful hockey players ever. Not just currently in the NHL, ever. And here's what Petey uh, said on playing uh, head-to-head versus McKinnon, and this is is via IMAX Twitter feed. I love it. I want to play against the best line, the best players. I mentioned to Bruce that I'm ready if he wants to play me there. 
Now, there have been a couple reasons, I suppose, that Bruce has been hesitant to put PD out there against the, the other team's best players. What are those? Number one will be face-offs, which I, I don't know. I think that's kind of overrated. I, I get it, but I don't really want to debate that too much. Some people believe face-offs are more important than others. Okay. Whatever. The other would be that Kuzmenko's on his line. Yeah, okay. Sure, right? And sure. you're kind of like, wow, you got this guy who's who's just kind of learning the NHL. But now that Kuzmenko has played in the NHL, I don't know, what's he played, 20 games or something well, like that? Something along mark. those lines. He got scratched for one, so yeah, let's call it 19. Whatever. Uh, I, I really do hope that Bruce considers doing this more often. And frankly, I think it's insane that he hasn't done it more okay, often. I'm because glad you brought up that last I, I, part. Like, I think it's great. Like, I think there's two crazy things that, that, that Bruce has done this season. First of all, is playing Stillman so much. Yeah. And also putting Horvat and Miller constantly out there as a matchup role, despite the fact that, like, time and time again, they've blown leads. And he's like, what's Miller's minus today? Like, oh, he's got a he's you know? Yep. And Petey, meanwhile is out there and and this isn't even an analytics thing. This isn't this isn't just like hockey nerd drants going off or anything. You're watching, you're going, look at all the great defensive plays that Petey's making. Yep. No, I know. Put him out there in a matchup role. I know. And I think the latter part of what you're talking about there, the frustration with Boudreaux, it's a deserved criticism. Because neither of the points you brought up should like win out in an argument where the argument is you've had twenty games. 20 games to watch this play out, and your team has set an NHL record all time for the most multi-goal leads blown. That's Mix mix it up a bit. Like, after three or four, (laughs) you should have said, we're going to try something different. Yeah. Seven. Do you think he was sitting there going, like, yeah, but the face-offs. Like, I hope not. I think he was going with he didn't trust Pedersen, and it was all based on gut and eye test. And I'm sure the things that you suggested – came into effect when you were making your part of the argument. Not your argument, but Boudreaux's making his argument. He's like, well... I don't get that, though, Like because the eye test, when you watch Pedersen play, he is so smart. Like, he can anticipate his opponent so much better than any other player on the Canucks, defensively or forward. Like, it's, it seems like a no-brainer. He should be that guy. Never well, underestimate the p- people's perceptions and the biases within. Sometimes you go out looking for certain mm-hmm. things, and you'll find them. And you won't look at the big picture. Like, I do it all the time, right? Like, if I go into somewhere with a preconceived notion, I'm looking for any small snapshot that'll, like, validate what I'm thinking. Right. right? But, but still, he's an NHL head coach. But that's what I'm saying. These are criticism. And, and, I'm, and, not, and, I'm not defending no, no, no. him. It's it, that you can't do it. And his team has historically been, been blowing leads. Maybe think about how you're approaching the defensive side of the game and your personnel. Now, Satin and Riccio had a, had a great discussion about this very topic yesterday, so credit to them also for, for discussing this, uh, certainly ahead of us. Um, but I just think, yeah, like there's been two crazy things that uh, I think Bruce has done, and he corrected both of them last night. And this is just my opinion. It doesn't really mean anything, but Burroughs was back in the lineup. Uh, Stillman was out. Petey was in a matchup role, and the Canucks beat the defending Stanley Cup champs. Yeah. I'm not saying I should be the head coach of the Canucks if they make a change, I but feel like I'm you're saying, saying that I could yeah. be a pretty pretty good at it. You're available in evenings. I am available in the evenings. <laughs> I can't. I can't. He has yeah. to leave in the third period to go to bed, though. I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys, you got this? All right, guys, I'm done for the night. Got a show tomorrow. Yeah. Best of luck. Hope Remember what well. I said about the third period, Petey in the matchup role. <laughs> yeah. No, right. I, I mean. And go. Yeah. I trust you. Are you a nightcap? Just, just, just go for it. You got it. He's got a candle in the holder. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I do think that there's some merit, not to you being the coach, that's stupid, but uh, there's some merit to 
taking Boudreaux to task for this. It's <laughs> I'm going to say this. Jim Rutherford's like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. Keep going. Um, I think what's what's happening here is you're seeing a very frustrated group where you're looking at it and you're saying, did you guys just kind of piss away the first quarter of the season because you weren't ready and you didn't have a good handle on your team and you hadn't figured this out? Now, I'll say this. If Boudreaux's coaching for his job, which in a lot of ways that he is because he has no contract beyond this year and he wants to win games real bad, his default response and reaction to every question is, what's going to get me two points tonight? What's going to get me a win tonight? That's where I think this thing with Patterson is really interesting because for the long term, for the long term health of this franchise, it makes way more sense to have Pedersen do quite literally everything for you yeah. and make sure that he becomes, at the very least, close to the stratosphere of McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, the big three, the, the top end centers in the game. Throw him out there in a matchup and see if he can hold his own. I mean, I hate to draw this back to Belgium and Canada because people are probably exhausted on the soccer talk. Look at what Canada did yesterday. They went out and played. They threw everything they had at Belgium. And lo and behold, they outplayed them for long stretches. People will surprise you. And people can rise to the occasion. And that's why you're kind of, you've always earmarked Pedersen as maybe being a guy that's got elite potential. So in those instances... Give him a shot to prove it. But the problem yeah. is, is you have to have a long-term investment and a long-term goal there. That Yeah, he might lose this one tonight. He might get burned by McKinnon or McDavid might light him up for four yeah. or five points. Miller and Horvat might too. Right, well, there's that part of it. But <laughs> there's also the part where you're like, okay, but now when Petey goes back, like, what does he learn from it? Did he pick up some nuances or tendencies or God knows what where he can use this later on down the road? Do you know there was a JT on JT matchup? Yesterday, Comfer on Miller, JT Miller on JT Comfer. That was the guy that that was the line that the Miller's line got right. And the Canucks beat the defending Stanley Cup champs. Craig Forrest is going to join us next to look back on yesterday's again house of positivity or house of negativity. I think it's mostly house of positivity, but there is some regret from Canada's one nil loss to Belgium. In the World Cup, we'll speak with Craig Forrest next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.